This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, the Halifax defenders making a bit of mess of that. It's done, it's done, it's through. Oh, with a good header, finding Dunn. O'Regan to Dunn. Only two to Amat, this is done. And he's gone in! It's stayed in! Simon Trevich, Bullock, Bill Robertson, Ian Dunn gets a shot in, and a fantastic ball by Ian Dunn, who's done it once again. Four minutes from time, and Ian Dunn, who has this lovely habit of scoring in cup ties, has done it again to give Huddersfield down a 4-1 advantage. Picked on by Dunn, but no one there, or no one from the town side. Brave header, comes to Dunn. He's there! He's there! Ian Dunn has scored! Huddersfield Town won! Bradford City won! Scored in the 85th 
Tyson came back from Ronnie Jepson, it was Dunn who was there to put Huddersfield in front. And so to that little bit of history at the McAlpine Stadium where Huddersfield Town became the first club in English football to win a cup tie in an extra time sudden death playoff. The victims were Lincoln City, the final score 3-2. And the man who will feature in the quiz books, goal scorer Ian Dunn. This season gets his chance here. And Ian Dunn likewise is on for Huddersfield Town in place of Gary Crosby. Dunn immediately goes over to take up the same position that Crosby has been filling. And it is a tactical switch, we are told. And Nick on the touchline, hit straight away in possession, is Dunn. And he floats one across here, boots in, Jepson's there, Billy's in! A goal, Chris Billy, Huddersfield Town! Thunderous applause around Wembley! What a substitution, because Ian Dunn played his part in it! Okay, so as, as usual, this episode is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Uh, sadly, at the moment, Magic Rock is closed due to the uh, coronavirus outbreak, but the Welcome Centre, who are very close to uh, what Magic Rock do, are still open, and uh, if you've got a little bit of spare money ha- hanging around at the minute, they uh, are taking a couple of donations for people who are struggling at the moment. So uh, have a check of uh, the HTSA uh, website and social media, uh, as well as the Cowshed Loyal, and uh, if you can help out, that would be fantastic and uh, and hopefully we come out of this uh, quite soon right welcome to episode 65 of the andy takes that chance podcast uh, today we have a special episode of those were the days i'm your host and cup specialist matt shaw joining me today he's got no hair but we don't care it's richard cozy cosmala and welcoming the super sub neil wayne and i'm delighted to welcome huddersfield town cult hero icon legend to the podcast it's ian dunn Good Thank evening. you very much for having me. Yeah, nice introduction as well. I fell in can I twice. See, can I cheer now? I feel like I should cheer with Donny on now. <laughs> have to sing a song. Yeah. Uh, firstly, in a very happy 50th birthday for you the other day. It was your 50th. Um, it only seems like a few years ago you were running around as a 20-something, doesn't it, at Leeds Road. And I think we've all got quite strong memories of you uh, You flying up and down the wings. You still look like you could run up and down the wing, to be fair. Yeah, I can't. Well, I wish I could. But, but yeah, yeah. 50th birthday seems incredible, really. And you're right. Yeah, you know, I look back at, as we all probably do, I think the memories that we have, and and things pop up on your 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 social media feeds, and they just remind you of what you once did. And I've got to remind my younger sort of nephews and nieces that that really was me. It wasn't just someone making something up. So, uh, yeah, some nice memories. All gone far too quickly though. So how is everything with you? Obviously, we're we're doing uh, a lot of lockdown episodes because of the situation at the minute. Everything, everything okay with you uh, that you're finding over there? So I presume you're based sort of York area or York Postal yeah. Code. You don't have to tell us your address. It's okay, but no, I'll do how, that. how are but you yeah. finding everything over at your end? Are you? Uh, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it is what it is. We're doing what we're told to do, and hopefully that the, the, the government, and the, you know, people are making the correct decisions and lead us out of this mess as, as quickly as possible. But obviously listening today, it's quite um, fresh on the news today about another three weeks lockdown. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And the people of York, um, from what I've seen so far, um, and I haven't ventured out too much myself, just done the, the a few few jogs cycle uh, around my vicinity where I live, um, been shopping, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, it's very, very quiet, it's surreal. Uh, really is. I cycled through the middle of York the other day to take some stuff to my my um, my mother who lives on her own, and she needed some uh, some essentials. And 
to cycle through York on a Monday morning and it was absolutely dead. It shows that people are, are taking notice, certainly in York and hopefully around the country and get, get through this and uh, smile at the end of it, hopefully, in a couple of, or a month's time. Hopefully so. So uh, I thought what we'd do tonight is just have some fun and, and rekindle some old memories and have a bit of a walk through your, your career. I think there's a lot of great, you know, I was going through them and there's a lot of great football memories around supporting Huddersfield Town at, at that time. Uh, but before Huddersfield Town, just let us know how you kind of got into uh, got into football. Obviously, there was no academy football back then, was there? So you kind of uh, joined York City, uh, had a had a spell at York, and then you bounced around sort of Peterborough, Chesterfield, Scarborough, and then you ended up at Goole, didn't you? So just t- let yeah. us know how you sort of joined in. Like an upward curve, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like every young lads in my my era, my age group, I wanted to be a, a professional footballer. You know, the dream was to play for your hometown club, which for me at that time was York City. Um, and I just followed the normal routes, played club football, school football. Um, I was lucky enough to get called up for um, like the Yorkshire schoolboys and the North of England schoolboys. Um, I didn't do the usual... In, in our day, they used to do something called the YTS. It was called the Youth Training Scheme. A 16-year-olds to 18-year-olds got on the YTS and you got your £27 a week and you cleaned the pros' boots and uh, generally got pillaged probably by all the professionals at the club at the time. I missed that. I went to college, but it was probably the best thing I did. Um, it was my dad's, dad's uh, recommendation, really, to, to do my extra studies and then hopefully make a a backwards route into football, which happened for me quite nicely. I ended up um, really between 16 and 18. I, I, I was lucky. I played for, actually played for England schoolboys, um, the under-19 team. And it was from that that I got interested, interest from other clubs, but I was already at York as a, as a schoolboy on schoolboy terms. I was training with them on a weekend, playing intermediate games on a Saturday morning, uh, training on, on a weekend, uh, evenings, etc., etc. Um it was weird because Leeds United actually tried to sign me just as before I signed for York at 18. Um, I was never going to go there, to be fair. Not not because it's Leeds United. I probably would never have got a, a sniff. Um, but now I was um, just over the moon to play for or get, get a contract offer from York City. Did that. And, uh, yeah, that was me on the road to football. Um, had a good couple of years at York. I really. had a really good start. I scored three goals in my first five games. and was doing okay and then sort of typically petered out a little bit as a striker. I ended up playing on the wing for York more than anything, which saved me well as far as ending up at Huddersfield Town because that's predominantly where I played a lot of my games. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I did the usual route. It was good, it was exciting, and I had a lot of luck along the way um, until York released me. They released me at, I was 21, 1991. Uh, they released me. And um, at the time, I had Blackpool, Chesterfield, and somebody else were after me. I went to trials at Blackpool. I spent all of May 1991. I think they must have been they must have been in the playoffs. So their season had extended. So they were still training. I think it was Billy Air was the manager called me across and said, "Watch, have a look at me." Trained with them. Then in the summer, Chesterfield also Chris McMenemy got in touch, asked me to go there as well. Um, and cut a long story short, people won't, won't know all this probably, but yeah, I ended up getting offered a, a year's contract at Chesterfield. Um, but to be honest, it was my first 
time of living away from home. When lived in Doncaster, I think it was. So I was halfway and a half. I was very much a homeboy. Um, and I didn't really settle at all. Well, to be honest, at the end of the 1992 season, they released me. Um, and that's how I found myself at Ghoul Town. Do you want to know that story? Yeah, go for it, yeah. So um, a footballer who used to play for York City, a lad called Dale Banton, was manager of Ghoul Town at the time. And as soon as I got released, he was on and said, listen, come and play for us um, and you'll bounce straight back in. Some clubs will come in for you. You'll be absolutely fine. And uh, of course, during that time, I was keeping myself fit. I was training at Scarborough. The reason why it's on my Wikipedia that I play for Scarborough, Peterborough, God knows who else, um, is because every time I had to go and train with them, I had to sign a non-contract, a non-playing contract. So that was available to play for their reserves. So I never actually signed for Scarborough or Peterborough. They were more like trials. Yeah. Um, but it looks like I played for them. I hadn't. Yeah. Um, I think I was subbing the Anglo-Italian Cup for Peterborough against Wolves. Um, and I don't think, I can't remember if I got on or not. But I enjoyed my time at Peterborough. It was good. But um, to be honest... While I was playing for Ghoul, I was I was training with Scarborough. I did pre-season with Scarborough, and it was the toughest pre-season I think I've ever had. Um, was Neil and it was Ray Ma- Oh, that was he was after, no. he was at Notts County, wasn't he? Way after, yeah, it was Ray McHale was manager, and um, it really was. It was a, it, when I say tough, it was good. It, it, I was really knocked out of my sort of comfort zone. I was I was half decent at York. I was quite nippy. I played for you know England schoolboys. Maybe my head was a little bit. Thought this will be, you know, a stepping stone to something good. And it didn't happen, so I got a bit of a, a slap down in that respect. But then, like I say, when I did that pre-season at Scarborough, it re- he really got me fit. Um, and it was the year that they went on. I think they beat Arsenal. They had a really good team, actually. Scarborough at that time had a really good young team. I think they beat Arsenal in the Coca-Cola Cup, whatever it was called at that time. Um, and he was, he was trying to sign me, to be fair. He, he said he would have signed me, but their budget, just they, they had a, a skeleton squad. It's all he could afford. So he kept, kept me on non, non-contract terms. Um, and obviously I said to him, listen, non-contract isn't where I want to be. I want to be getting a contract somewhere. So that's why I was also going. I went to Peterborough, I think Scunthorpe, somewhere else, um, and then continued to play for goal. And I was playing for goal and... I was playing up top again. I was back playing as a striker and um, just whether it was luck or whatever, just kept banging in the goals. And, and um, I think I'd scored in the first nine games. I was, I was on about 16 goals or something ridiculous. I've never had that sort of goal ratio ever. You know, even at Blooming School, by, you know, um, I must have looked like a prolific striker. Anyway, I, um, I ended up getting a, a trial with Huddersfield off the back of sort of a lot of the goals for goal and um, probably could tell you a story it's, it's um, maybe it's interesting or not but m- my dad used to work for Nestle Roundtree's Nestle um, and he knew a guy who you will all have heard of a guy called Jimmy Lawson mm-hmm. town legend um, brilliant football and really nice bloke and Jimmy Lawson I think um, well I know he he obviously had spoken with my dad and he said listen Let's get him across to Huddersfield. If he's doing well at goal, let's get him. I'll get him a trial at Huddersfield. So that is how I ended up. That is the genuine truth, how I got to a trial at Huddersfield. It was Jimmy Lawson that put my name forward to, um, oh, uh, Mulhall. 
George Mulhall. George Mulhall, yeah, he was the was he the youth coach at the time? The youth coach, and Jimmy's lad Ian was obviously at the club, so Jimmy still had an affinity or a connection at the club, and he he arranged a child at Huddersfield, and then the 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 days or the weeks that I went to trial, the first day I went to trial, it was it was the year after Town had just been beaten in the playoffs. I think had Peterborough beat them in the playoffs. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that 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 calendar year. So I've gone to train with them in must have been I don't know the October time, and um, I think Town were really struggling after having had a, a really close challenge to getting promotion. They they they, they, they struggled the following year, didn't they? Ninety-two, um, wasn't it? Didn't yeah, you? that was ninety-two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they must have just missed out on on promotion in nine, the end of ninety-two uh, season. Then going into the ninety two ninety three season, I think they struggled, didn't they? Yeah, um, this um, I've got this this ninety two ninety three season. It's uh, we 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 call like the ninety seven ninety eight season under Peter Jackson as the great escape season. But I think ninety two ninety three could probably be classed as the greatest escape, if you yeah. like. Cause, um, town town had a massive playoff hangover. I remember losing to Peterborough. I think everybody thought we were going to beat Peterborough. We went down there. We drew two all with Peterborough. We were the better side. The better side in the first half in the return game. And then the second half, they went over the top of us twice. And I think, is it Steve Cooper? Bobby Barnes was playing wing for them. And I think Ken Charlie scored first. I trained with all them um, during my, my, my trial period at Peterborough. They were a good, they were a good team. They were good to players. be fair, they were. And they, I think Ian Bennett was involved, wasn't it, back then with Ian the Bennett, goalkeeper? Ian yeah. And, Marcus Ebden, midfield. Yeah, good side. And Roger Willis. There's some really good Who was players. the manager Ian at that time? Turner. It, oh, Chris Turner. Graham Turner. Graham, Pete, Chris Turner. Chris Turner. Chris Turner. Turner. Yeah. And uh, Lil Facillo. No, yeah. I always remember that name. I don't know. Well, yeah, Fancy back then, wasn't it? They were at Lou and they were always in my Always in my Padini sticker album, Lil Facillo. Did he play for Luton or something? Anyway. Yeah, Luton. Yeah, Lil Facillo. I always remember his name. He's one of them names, isn't it? Glamorous. But yeah, Chris Turner was manager. Peterborough. Yeah, so, so you came in to Huddersfield. It must have been a bit of a difficult, because I think you came in, was it around about December or so, 92? So we'd have been around that sort of period whereby I think we'd lost a cluster of games. We were at the bottom of the league. I think it was completely bizarre, wasn't it, though? It was just, I mean, I, I remember rocking up and obviously I, I, I've lived in Bradford all my life. I can't stand Bradford City. And <laughs> we obviously were rocked up down there for FA Cup game. And obviously, we didn't have the, the joy of internet and stuff like that then. So, you literally got team when, when players ran out and, who's this? Number 10. <laughs> <laughs> who's that? And yeah. direct team, I said, Ian Dunn, number 10. We're all like, who the bloody hell's Ian Dunn? And yeah, yeah that, I mean, that game, I mean, what an introduction to Woodersfield Town that was for you. I mean, I mean, obviously, FA Cup tie. I remember, I remember you getting headbutted by Noel Blake. Yeah. That, yeah, that were a, that would have been a bit of a problem, wouldn't it? But yeah, yeah just, tell us a bit about that and how, how you felt leading into that. And obviously, I mean, what a game to make your debut in because that was a volatile one. That oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just rewinding the build up to that for me as, as, a, as, a, as a young lad who'd, who thought he was half decent, then got knocked back and then struggled, to be brutally honest. Um, and then, I mean, to be honest, I was, yeah, that 92 season, it was carry on for a while and if nothing else materialised I'm going to have to go and get have to go and get a job you know <laughs> and, and, and real life um, but yeah the, the Huddersfield Town thing came across and, and I did you're right I joined them when 
they were lower than a snake's belly, really telling them it. I went in that first Monday morning. Um, got some stories about that as well. Jack, Jack will probably have a laugh about it. But uh, that first Monday morning, I've gone in and they'd just been beat again. And they decided to have um, a first team versus reserve team um, practice match. So that Monday morning, I am playing in what was the reserve team because he was mixing the team around. I think he'd, Ian Ross had he tried so many different things. He didn't know who his first team was because they performed that poorly. Let's be brutally honest, they were struggling. But the lucky thing for me was I've come in off, I mean, my, my confidence was sky high because I've been banging them in for goal. Um, and I had a couple of clubs sort of asking me to go and train with them. So I'm thinking there's got to be something here. Um, but when I got to Huddersfield, I looked around and thought, this is, this is a bit bigger than, you know, Gold Town, you know, even, even Peterborough, let's be, without being disrespectful to them, I'm looking at Huddersfield thinking, Jesus Christ, Peter Jackson's over there, Ify Honora, Ewan Roberts, Phil Stark, these are all names I'd heard of as being far above my sort of station. Um, but I've gone in that Monday morning, we wanted to play this game, and I've ended up in what was a reserve team of Kieran O'Regan, uh, I think Phil Starbuck was in it. We had uh, Chris Billy, John Dyson, uh, Charlie, Simon Charlton was in the reserve team that I was in. So I was up front in this team of players. Now, and so within five minutes, I'm looking around thinking, this is, I'm going to struggle here. These are too good. I, genuinely, that was my thing. Kieran Regan, his passing was just crisp and beautiful. He was a first-team player, really, but he clearly struggled at the start of that season and he found himself in this practice match in a reserve team. I'm up front against Jacko. I can't remember who the other centre Oh, Mitch, Graham Mitchell. And they'll, they'll, you know, I'm not being big-headed here. I scored three within the first 45 minutes. Tom basically had everything I hit went in the back of the net. And John Dyson, I remember him coming up to me and going, like, shaking me, like, doing that with my head and going, who are you sort of thing, um, keep it going. And John was, John Dyson became a really good friend of John. He was really good because he basically put his arm around my shoulder. He knew I was a trialist. But I think they realised that something was drastically wrong when a trialist is coming in and, and storing a load of goals. Whereas I'm looking back, I think, yeah, but I've got Kieran O'Regan. I've got Charlie on the left-hand side. I've got, uh, there was some of Chris Billy. thinking, this is a good team. So the first, the first team... We're up against it, but of course the manager only saw the goals going in. Um, so I played that that Monday morning. Then on the I think the Monday night the reserves were playing away at Blackpool, um, and I wasn't down for that. But after that first training session, Ian Ross calls me and says, "Right, here, uh, no, sorry, Mick Lyons called me and said, right, 'Right, we've got a game tonight across Blackpool. Are you okay?'" So I'm like, "Yeah, of course, absolutely, yeah, that way." I'm knackered. I just, I just played on Southfield Towns, you know, trying my hardest to impress. But we went to Blackpool. I think we got beat, and I had a stinker, to be honest. But they had another game on the Wednesday night. Weirdly, it was I think it was the Monday and the Wednesday, if my memory serves me well. And they asked me to play on the Wednesday night as well. And I think I scored. Um, and training went like this. I was going to training, and just for whatever reason. Everything I was doing worked for me, whether it's luck or whatever. I took it. Um, played a couple more reserve games, and then I knew something was going on when we were going traveling up to Middlesbrough. And Dean Ross, the manager, hadn't been to see any reserve games up to that point. This was my third game 
My first game, I drew a blank against Blackpool. I think I scored in the, the, the second game. Then I scored two or maybe even three in another reserve game. Then we were playing Middlesbrough away and they had, um, I don't even remember names, Nicky Moen, um, Palace, didn't, not Palace. Um, there were some good players, Bernie Slave and Middlesbrough had a really good team. That's what was in the old Central League. And we've gone up to Middlesbrough and we beat them uh, 3-1. Totally, no one saw this happening. Ian Ross came to watch that game. I scored two. Straight after the game, he says to me, right, uh, how do you fancy signing for us? I'm like, you don't, you don't have to ask me. <laughs> Just tell me where to sign. It was, it was like that. And he, he spoke to me, Dad, after the game, and he couldn't have been more effusive about me. He was really complimentary. Um, as if he was trying to sell Huddersfield to me, and I'm thinking, God, if only you knew, I'd, I'd, I'd walk barefoot back to Huddersfield to sign. Um, and I did, signed the very next morning. Um, and then going, without hope, I'm not boring you too much. But, no, carry on. After the Middlesbrough game, I signed on the Thursday, uh, dead easy contract, cheap as chips, you know, again, literally with nothing. Um, and he then called me into his office on the... Friday, and he said, listen, we, we haven't got a game this Saturday or something's going on, but our next game basically is going to be in a week's time. And it was Bradford in the FA Cup. Now, not for a minute did I think I was going to be involved in that. But he said, we want you signed up, we want you available to play. And I'm thinking, well, brilliant. So I've signed the, signed the forms, all ready to go. And of course, non-league being non-league, Apparently, in them days, you had to have a, a seven-day clearance to play in the FA Cup. So about, this will have been ninth of Friday before the following Sunday, getting Dad gets a phone call. Um, listen, we want Ian to be available to play for us. However, the FA rules are that seven-day clearance is meant to be given, and Google aren't giving it. So Google weren't going to clear it without a fee. And this is where the, I think they got, a few couple hundred quid and 30 footballs or something ridiculous. You know, it, was, it wasn't the biggest of negotiations, silly girl. Um, but Ross, Ian Ross was desperate to sign me. So I'm thinking, wow, well, God, he's, you know, even it doesn't matter what it was. If it could have been a Cornetto, he's gone, he's gone out to make sure that I'm available. So all that week, I'm thinking, wow, what is going on here? I could be in with a little bit of a chance. Not a chance to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm looking at it realistically and thinking, nah, I'm a trialist. That you know, there's all these in my head stars at the club. No chance. I kept myself grounded. But that training that week, again, just for some reason, whether it's because Town's players were a little bit lacking in confidence or whatever, or I was just bubbling, everything was going right again. Scoring goals every morning, training. Um, so it all went really well. And on the Friday, get the call. Um, you're travelling with us on Sunday. I'm like, oh, Christ, what's this mean? <laughs> um, I genuinely, genuinely, 110%, honest as God, did never expect to be. I thought he was just taking the, a squad on a bus to the game because it was such a big game. Uh, and then on the Friday, there's a something in the examiner about me. Um, and Jacko had made a comment, no one even, no one knew, knows who I am. Um, Blah de blah de blah. Anyway, on the Sunday I turn up at Valley Parade. My dad drops me off. Didn't come on. Didn't go on the bus. Sorry, no, I did. I did. I got dropped off at the club and got on the bus to Bradford. I've sneaked on. No one. I didn't speak to anyone or anything because the first team didn't really know who I was. Anyway, 
get sat down in the changing room, all the kits are out. Um, and of course, Ian Ross reads out the team. Now, I had, up until that point, kind of clinging to the hope, could I be a sub here? I could might be a sub. Um, and then when you name me in the team, I could see everyone, you and Roberts, Jacko, I'm like in the corner like this. And they've all, they've literally, as I've looked up, when he, I've looked up when he said my name to see everyone else's face go up, like, like shaking their head and going, who? <laughs> <laughs> is that the trial? Is that the trial? It's a little lad with funny hair and and um, look, look, I mean, I looked like a poorest footballer in the world. I'd I'd old Chesterfield training kit every day, boots that were hanging off us, um, and they're all looking as if, what the heck is going on here? So yeah, long way around a short story, I suppose. But yeah, that was my introduction to Huddersfield Town and then to me. I'll tell you what, in uh, that day, I remember we took a right following as well, didn't we? I think <sighs> we have the side as well. I think top bottom tier and uh, get the hairs on the back of my neck right now going out. I've put yeah. my on, warm up top, and I've gone out. Um, where did you come out? Did you come out in the middle or was it in the corner? It's right in corner. Oh, like, you come out in corner by that like spice black stand where we were. Yeah, yeah, traffic, traffic lights, well, don't they? yeah, yeah. Well, I've come out in that corner <laughs> and uh, I've looked across and you could see the fans. You know, you know, even now, an hour before kickoff, filtering on this is bigger than anything I've, you know, I was used to playing in front of two or three thousand. Um, and, and latterly at goal, probably two or three hundred. So to look across at this, and, and it felt like finally, you know, like I love York City, they're my hometown team, I'll, I'll always support York City. And actually, their fans make a real big noise, but the number of town fans. And the noise they were making, and and the fact that it was Bradford as well, and there was this big stadium, everything just seemed elevated. It was all just so big, and um, I was just taking deep breaths and looking around, thinking, "My, what am I doing?" What the hell am I doing here? Oh dear! And it was like it was so surreal. It really was so surreal, and the, the noise factor was was immense. And I'm sure all the fans at that point, well, you probably tell me when they've read the team out. You could, I could almost feel it like, well, they haven't got a clue who I am. Yeah. I'm up front with Ewan, or whoever it was at that time. So, yeah, I think it was me and Ewan up front. Um, so, yeah, what a day. What a day. Talk about then, the game, Ian. I'll tell you one story I've got to say. I uh, lost my head when we'd scored. Walked back in the Bradford Centre after trying to avoid getting knocked out because my grin. I'd left my wallet in the way into the front. Rushed right back in the ground and it was still there. Blue, I mean, really? Yeah, that's just kind of a, you know, you're on about your luck all that week with the uh, the train and that, that one might. I could talk about this game all night. Go on, Ian, tell us about that game because it was an, an incredible uh, afternoon. Well, I get, like I say, I'm getting airs on the back of my neck just thinking about it now because when, when I really do try and think hard about it, everything leading up to it just seems, like I say, surreal, magical, whatever. But yeah, I mean, again, I, I felt, you probably tell me rightly or wrongly, I, I, I had a good start. I got, a few good touches early on in the game and, and I felt as if it just seemed to be, I, I kind of knew something was going to happen because everything had happened so smoothly the previous two to three weeks. When I was on that pitch, I'm looking at that, I got that buzz of whatever it is, adrenaline or whatever, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to score here. I just, I knew I was going to score. I can't, it's hard to say, you know, I couldn't have said it before the game's running because you look right, crap. But I knew I was going to do something in that game. I knew it. Just knew it. And then I think it was it 17 minutes, was it? It was uh, early, yeah. Neil Parsley put that ball in and 
looking at him five foot ten, and I was up against Noel Blake, and I beat him in the air. <laughs> yeah, he didn't like that, did he? <laughs> um, he got me back later on, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> you also you also rinsed him on the flank as well, didn't you? You you absolutely <laughs> spun someone out wide, and you put you in through, and then you went on this mad run, didn't you, from the flank and beat several players and and beat Noel Blake all ends up and then and then Noel gave you a big uh, a big warm welcome to to West Yorkshire didn't he yeah and to big boys football yeah rinse I love that word rinse because I did <laughs> I look back it was it was just like I say everything just whether I was because I was unknown quantity or whatever they didn't know what to do with me um it just all just seemed to happen right on the day for me and yeah we got the, I think yeah I got the penalty didn't you we got a penalty yeah you got a penalty as well or Egan scored what a penalty and all he oh, won, yeah, he's, oh, he's proper pulling me down. I was going to score. Well, yeah. I thought I'd have scored. Is that where he butted you in and that? I'm yeah. trying to remember. He's pulled me down as I've got up. He's, he's done that and he's caught me with the bone. Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them, honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. A bit of his, of his um, shoulder. I'd say, brutally, it hurt. <laughs> he was a big guy, wasn't he? He was a big guy. Was a he was an ox. The lad was a, he was a, he was a brutal ox. Um, <laughs> You know, it ended a few more players softer than me, yeah, much harder than me. So, yeah, I felt the full force of his shoulder. He was, you know, big lad. And uh, like I say, still got the, the scar, not me topping my tooth off. So, well, it didn't matter. I didn't genuinely hardly felt anything because that day, the, I mean, the crowd, you, you were there. Brilliant, yeah. It was unbelievable. The atmosphere was just, I couldn't ever have wished for a better place to have a debut. For a football club, there's, there's always been a lot of needle between town and Bradford, and around that time, we were all in sort of same divisions around about each other. Yeah. So to get somebody like you rocking up in a game like that, yeah, there's needle so, before game anyway, and you can feel it. Yeah. And then you rock up, nobody knows you, they don't know you, we don't know you. Yeah. And then you go and do, you do all that, and it's rah, that's yeah. that stuff as a fan. You never forget. Like, on, yeah. 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 Not only did you upset. Bradford City fans, uh, you also upset Halifax fans by scoring a hat trick against them a couple of a uh, couple of days later as well, didn't you? So it was all all of a sudden Huddersfield have got this, you know, the, the bottom of the league. You know, the fans aren't in a great place, and the cups they've got something to cling on to here. And you've you've you're scoring a hat trick against Halifax and Bradford, and you also went when we went to Bradford. It was my first uh, away game, I think, was. At, at, well, first away game at Bradford was in the league game that season, and uh, I remember you put the ball in from the left hand side, which you and nodded back, and, yeah. and Gary Barnett scored as well, didn't we? We won one nil in the cup as well, and and, and did them in the cup. So, uh, your name to uh, to other fans in West Yorkshire must have been uh, Mud. Never mind, uh, never mind, Ian Dunn. But 
the hat trick as well. There's there's one or two good goals in there as well, isn't there? And you must have been flying at this point. And um, at, at this point, I just feel obviously struggling in the league. But what was it like as well in in the with with the players in that first team? Could you feel a bit like there was a struggle, or was was everything sort of starting to come together a bit? I felt, I mean, certainly after that, that Bradford game gave the whole place a bit a real lift, I think. And like you say, the cup games. They, they we kept winning. Kept, it was kind of like my. That was like for me, it was unbelievable because I just kept seeing seemed to get a bit of luck in the cup. So scoring goals, and we kept sort of cracking away at the cup games. I think my memory is be right that, that in the league we were still struggling a bit, weren't we? Because yeah. ultimately they brought Mick Buxton in to to sort yeah. of stiffen things up. Um, but we, we, we were we were sort of he must have come in pretty soon after I did. I was going to ask how, we, how Mick Buxton was, because I think we were bottom until February. And I think one game that stands out, Neil, you, Neil Cosley, you might remember this. There's a, a home game against Blackpool where I think we won 5-2 and you you crossed the ball for Ify and Yura's diving <laughs> header as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. At, at this point, Mick Buxton, as a, a legend, Neil and Cosley will remember Mick Buxton far more than I do for, for being a legendary figure at, at yeah. Huddersfield and one of the best coaches Huddersfield have had since since Ian Greaves, you know, 1969, 70, you know, him and David Wagner, Neil Warnock are probably the three that people would pick out, maybe Jacko to a, Jacko, to, yeah. to a point. Yeah. Town won 12 of their last 16 games that season. And we've gone from absolute rock bottom to all of a sudden lifting up in the league. And that must've been a real ride to go on. And how much, how, how important was Mick Buxton in that? And, and once you've told us that, maybe you can tell us through, biggest game or the biggest gate of that season, a midweek game against Stoke City and somebody from the right-hand side rifles in one of the best goals at Leeds Road of the 90s. <laughs> I look back at that and I think, I can't, is that really me? <laughs> um, uh, it was just, yeah. I mean, to be honest, yeah, we were struggling, but I, I, like I, I go back to the fact that I, I looked, when I first came to that club, I'm looking around at players and thinking, yeah, these are all top, top footballers. That, you know, in, in the football world, you'd heard of them. The Peter Jacksons, the Ewans, the Iffies, the Starbys, Parsleys, Gary Barnett, Kieran O'Regan. Um, unfortunately, I think the keepers at the time were really low on confidence. Tim Clark and... and, and um, it's oh, because, I'll be honest, I'll be honest but it's because Tim Clark's rubbish, if I'm being brutal. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to say he's a lovely lad I met him in Lanzarote about 10 years ago um, but gonna, no, I was going to ask what he was like Tim Clark because he, yeah. seemed, he seemed like a bit of a jovial kind of fellow I felt he's a lovely bloke yeah but you're right we, he kept making really big mistakes at big times in games and, and I think that was a lot to do with what the, the confidence of the whole team would go because yeah. you know if your keeper is, is making mistakes or you know his potential to make mistakes the rest of the team are on edge you know you, you, you back far suddenly have to do a bit more because they're scared that, you know, if they don't do their job, they're not going to get pulled out. Um, yeah, what Mick Buxton like? What, what, what was his secret well, to his... Uh... Yeah. Well, it, it, when he came in, like I say, the team was on a bit of a lower, but I'm looking around thinking these are all good players. You don't suddenly become a bad team from what was there going before, but what happened is Ian Ross, I think, and he signed me, and I've got a lot to thank him for, and he was a brilliant guy. But Mick came in and basically cracked the whip. Um, Ian had a lot of loyalty towards the players that had done so well for him. And I, <clears throat> looking back, I think, I wonder if he was too nice to him. He didn't, he, he couldn't rollick them because they'd done so well for him and he knew they were good players and he trusted them to turn it around. But every game, 
they weren't turning it around. Yeah. I reckon that's why Mick came in and Mick came in. I tell you, the first thing I'll never forget him. He, we're we're uh, we're in the changing room at Leeds Road, home changing room, as you do, getting ready for training. He comes in and he says, uh, he introduced himself, and straight away, I can't swear on this kind of bricking out. I can beep it. I can beep it. <laughs> well, I was when when he started talking. I thought I'm scared of this man. He he looks like he knows what he's talking about. He looks like a little bit. There's a little bit in him that could be a bit psycho here. And he got off this imaginary axe, and I'll never forget it. And he and he says, "Right, this is where we are in the league." I won't do his accent, even though he's that Yorkshire, that Jardy uh, accent. No, he won't, he won't thank for that Sunderland accent, won't it? Northeast accent. He's got this imaginary axe, and he says, "Right, teams are going to come here, and they're going to play against us, and they're going to meet this." He goes like that. Then he picks up this axe and he says, we're at the bottom of the league. The top of the league is when we bash through that wall. And he starts this imaginary axe bashing the wall. And I'm looking at them. And I'm looking at the rest of the team. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Peter Jackson, who is so dominant, such a dominant, influential figure. And even he's looking going, <laughs> what is going on here? Not even taking the mick or what's going on. He's looking and thinking, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's got a point here. This is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to, basically, the message was you have to start banging down doors because all your nice, pretty football, we had some good footballers, Starby, Kevin, all them names I've just mentioned. They weren't doing it. They were playing nice, pretty football and getting beat. And Mick Buxton came in and said, right, out with that. You're going to become the most awful, horrible, hardworking team in this league. And I reckon... I'd love to, I can't remember exactly when, what month he came in to when our results started to change. But looking back now, if he hadn't come in, we'd have probably played lovely football and got relegated. And that'd have been a disaster. He comes in, totally stiffens everything up. He changed a few things. I I was moved to the wings, which naturally I sort of kind of knew was going to happen because my frame, my bodywork, in that level of football, any level of football, probably wasn't, what's the word? Um, powerful enough. I was, I was kind of quick, not electric. I was kind of strong, not an ox. I could tackle, not best. I could hit a ball and I could cross a ball. So where do you end up? Out on the wing. And Mick, I think, identified that within probably the first couple of training sessions. And I found myself on the wing. I played more games that season than ever. And I still look back at that season, even as a promotion season where Warnock was brilliant with me. But that first season for me at Huddersfield was I'll never forget it because I became a first team regular. I was playing every week. Um, I knew I was going to be playing. I knew my role. He'd have you in training and he'd get me in particular. Maybe he thought I was naive or inexperienced or whatever. Um, and he'd work on me literally for an hour every morning. Right, this is what you do. I want you as a right midfielder. So you're not a winger. You're, 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 not, <laughs> you're not quick enough to be a winger. You can cross the ball some. Um, so I want you to work hard on the right-hand side. And when that left-back gets the ball, I want you in his face. That's your job. And if that left-back left puts the ball over your head, I want you chasing the ball to help your full-back. So my, my instructions couldn't have been clearer. And I think that's what Mick did with everyone in that season. He made everyone's roles simplistic. Defenders defend. Your, your midfielders, wide midfielders, defend and attack. So it's probably the toughest role in the team. Your strikers stay up there and your two midfielders get the ball and play it forward. And I don't know, was it pretty? It probably wasn't pretty to watch. 
Um, but it wasn't ugly because it was direct and and I, I enjoyed that kind of football. We weren't trying to do one, two, three, four touch, you know, little one twos all around the place. We were playing really fast, direct football. And if you look at the players that we had, I was semi-quick. Bar- Barney was quick on the left-hand side. If he was lightning, why didn't they utilise that before? There was no point trying to play into if his feet, and he'd be the first to admit it. He didn't want the ball into his feet because he was a he was a chase the ball because he was lightning and he was so strong. And actually, given the, the right ingredients, if he became a really good goal, a real threat that season for us. Yeah, so, were you surprised to mean Buxton left? I remember buzzing that he came back. It was almost like the second coming for me as a fan and nostalgia. Yeah. And obviously he did a good job again. What, did he always feel you was just a bit of a stopgap? Or did, were you surprised that he went as well at the end? I was gutted when they left because... He, the, I'd signed a year, I'd signed to the end of the season. Um, no, I didn't. I'd, I'd signed a two year contract. They gave me a two year contract. So at the end of that season, my first season, Mick got offered the, get off the Sunderland job. I think he got offered the Sunderland job. And I, I, I'm pretty sure he took Ian Ross with him. I think the pair of them left that summer. I did, yeah. Have I got the right years? Yeah, the yeah. pair of them left that summer. And, and, and then but I, I wonder if maybe Warnock was already, had already been sort of questioned about coming to the club. Um, so, yeah, personally, for me, at that point in time, I'm thinking, oh, God, the, the guy that signed me and the guy that has made my job, like, I know exactly what I need to do. They're both going. Um, and he actually, maybe I don't know if I should say this or not, but I could, I, there was a chance, there was talk that I could have gone to Sunderland with him at the time. I think that Mick Buxton wanted me to go with him to Sunderland, but Huddersfield didn't entertain it because the new manager was coming in. He wanted to look at the players, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and in hindsight, looking back, I'm absolutely over the moon because even though Sunderland were probably, um, well, in the country, they still are one of the, the biggest sort of clubs at that time. They were struggling themselves anyway. And I'd found my home. I'd found Huddersfield. And thankfully, Mr. Warnock, he, he liked me as well. He called me in that first day. Him and Nick Jones had been to the Bradford game where I made his debut. So I wonder if they knew even before, even then, that Huddersfield job might come up. Probably. No more. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But he said, he said, my God, we thought you were, we thought you were Gaza. Said, and probably looking back at that one game in my snapshot of my career where everything just seemed to happen. And he, I'll never forget him. He said, we thought we got the next Gaza in you. And that was my first meeting with Neil Warnock. So I knew then I was, I was on to a good thing anyway. Just to wrap up that 92-93 season as well, um, Ian, just tell us about that goal against Stoke because I think a lot of people won't have seen it or, and what I'll do is I'll put out some, I think it's quite grainy, isn't it, on YouTube, the footage from Calendar where I think it won goal of the season on Calendar in the region as yeah. well. Um, yeah. This was you coming in from the right flank, wasn't it? And then you cut, kind of cut, did you cut across it and then it just goes into the far corner, hits, yeah. touches the bar yeah. slightly and sticks in the was, I think it was Gary Barnett had got it on the left-hand side and we were, it was at the time when we were sort of the team in form, but Stoke were the, I think Stoke were maybe top of the table. So it was going to be a tough, tough game. They were expected to beat us. And uh, Barney's run down the left-hand side and as he's crossed it, I'm, I'm going a little bit from memory, a little bit from looking at it like every day of my life. <laughs> um, and and, and I'm, I'm literally at the, the corner of the 18-yard box and my first touch has just, it, you know, looking back and thinking, my God, brought it down, 
And I, to be honest, I've just hit it. As it's hit the ground, I've hit it. And it's one of them, you know, as soon as you, any footballer tells you and they've hit the ball properly, you know, that's, there's nothing going to stop it. But as I've looked up and I, and I knew it was going in, there's no doubt in my mind it was going in. But then for it to stick in the stanchion, it's like that doesn't happen. I don't know how, how many times that's happened in football, but it doesn't happen often. And I remember looking back thinking, my God, then the ball by came and punched it out, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> thinking, oh, leave it in there. Let Peter Fox, let Peter Fox grab it. <laughs> um, but yeah, well. It, it were actually um, used, wasn't it? In, what was that programme, Matt? You'll know it. We used on credits for that football programme that Lad Out of Brookside presented, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Off the bar and, or off the post. Standing room only. On it, that guy, yeah. Standing room only. It was Damien, someone, yeah. Standing room only, actually. Yeah. On credits for that. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, what a moment. And and we had a big crowd that day as well. So it was, the atmosphere was electric. And, uh, the night you know, game, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. We need There's also something special about a night game at Leeds Road. There was just yeah. something, something about it. We're just, uh, it was just a proper football ground, wasn't yeah. it? Just going back to as well about the whole, everything, the, the surface, the playing fields for me, from where yeah. I come from, from Gould and playing on league around for three or four months. The playing surface was so good as well. That's no good table, would it compare? Yeah. I don't know if that ever gets mentioned by footballers because you expect it now, don't you? But yeah, in them days, for, to to play on, to go on and, and play on a pitch like that, and it was, it was just that right substance. It was just perfect to to play football on. Um, it was Raymond Chapel, wasn't it? Who groundsman, and yeah, they were there yeah. for donkey's years. And I remember, I think when when the, when the ground closed, he. Me and my dad went for a bit of a look round before they started knocking it down. I went in cowshed and stood on pitch and went in that gantry above main stand and what have you. And yeah. Raymond Chapel's in there cutting grass. It's getting knocked down that week and he's in there cutting grass. My uh, dad just basically said, you know, what are you doing? He just said, it's mine, isn't it? I just want to cut it again. Bless so, yeah. yeah, really, really, sort of really sort of sad moment, really. But yeah, yeah it, just, it just showed you Obviously, the appreciation you players had for a good pitch. Oh, he, 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 he genuinely loved that football pitch. You know, yeah. it, was, it was just people like his back garden on it. You yeah, know, it yeah. And it had that sort of what they call a camber, didn't it? So it sort of rose in penalty area across yeah. the yard box. It was just, yeah. uh, just a proper ground. When I get I get tingly talking about that place, to be honest. It was yeah. a special place. Special place. We hadn't even got to go and play there. It was just like, that was me. You know, my next game was obviously, we played, actually, we played Bradford twice with first two games. And then the first home game was like, you're looking at this big a stadium, wasn't it? It was a stadium. Yeah, well. Um, in, in the creative sense of the word in them days, it, to me, it was like this huge theatre. Um, and the noise, the noise they make, blooming heck. 50 minutes, and we hadn't even got onto the, uh, the Warnock here, uh, Ian, but. I think the next season, it wasn't just that we had Neil Warnock. I think the thing that finished Tim Clark, the, the back pass rule came in, didn't it? In that that was 92 93, was that? That was the thing, because yeah. 93 94, they brought in Steve Francis, didn't they, for about 150 grand? Oh, it was uh, a yeah. If you ask Warnock, was he's one of his best keeper signings, I bet he'd say Franny. It was super. 100% good. How we got him for 100 grand, I will never, ever know. He was. He was top class and um, yeah. that 93 94 season and that again Neil Warnock came in and it didn't start very well again did it there's um, the, it seemed like he was um, from the outside looking in it looked like he was intent on ripping up the, the Ian Ross yeah. team if you like and 
brought in a lot of players from non-league. I remember John Whitney came in, didn't he, from Winsford. Mm-hmm. Darren Bullock, one of my heroes as well, came in from uh, Nuneaton. Richard, Richard Logan from Logan, Gainsborough, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and there was a, a, quite a few. Mark Wells and um, is it Richard Ward, the other one. Well, yeah, Richard Ward. Man, he's yeah. Mark Wells. Tell you what, though, early on, it, we didn't just get not get results. It was awful to watch. And the fans were howling. And, and I must admit, I were kind of really struggling to stick in there being a youth, but... Obviously, yeah, uh, all turned right in the end. But how, how did you feel early on, uh, Ian? Did you think he ripped up too much? Um, probably controversially, I, I, they were all really good players, but they weren't. They just weren't Warnock players. They weren't. Um, Phil Starbuck was a great footballer, and him and Warnock sort of flirted with each other a bit. I had no doubt that Warnock was going to get rid of him. It, it, one way or the other, he even made him captain just before he got rid of him. It was like, what's playing out in front of us here doesn't seem to be consistent. We all know that Starby is probably going to end up on his way. They only made him captain to get a bit, bit of more money from him. I, who knows where Warnock works? But that team was not a, was not a Warnock team in them divisions. I, um, the thing about Warnock was, I think he gets a lot of unfair stick about his style of football. I think he manipulates his style of football to the league he's playing in. 100%. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. He watches. He, I mean, for him to be at that Bradford game on my debut six months before I came to Huddersfield, he must. I think he watches a lot of football, and he'll have known what football was needed to get out, to get us in a good position to get promotion. Out I'll, of tell, I'll tell you what he made. He made exciting football. He made football that you could get behind. He made he were passionate, everything yeah. about it, and that got the yeah. fans engaged at yeah. a point when they probably weren't. I mean, when he get him, he got rid of, he got rid of who was it? Chris Marsden, and Chris Marsden were a, Chris Marsden. Were, you could tell. Le, I mean, left footers also look better, don't they? Somehow, but he just looked like a proper footballer. Chris yeah. Marsden went on to have a bloody good career, but yeah, he's never going to be a war knock tie. He's never going to be a war tie. Mazza was brilliant. Another yeah. one, I saw he's one of the names I missed out when I'm looking around thinking, Crikey, how good are these? Um, and Mazza was never going to play for one. He went off and did great things because he yeah. found for him, his manager, you know what I mean? He played he, it he, end, didn't he? Yeah. Um, if he, if he got just about that one, or maybe used him a bit more than Ewan. He got rid of Ewan fairly quickly because Boothie was coming through. I think. Made a bit of a statement, didn't he, with, with Ewan and Jack Coy? That Arsenal game at Orby, binned them both and played That's with John right. Dyson and, and Boone. That's right, that yeah. Was, that was sort of a bit of a standout. Whoa, Arsenal, what are you doing? But, yeah, you know, five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ian Wright were all right, wasn't he? He wasn't bad, was he? Yeah. Um, but no, you're right, he did. Them players, they were all individually good players, but they, they, weren't, they weren't what you would consider what Warnock needed for that division. Warnock at Sheffield United, Going into the Premier League, might have signed Mazza, Chris Mazza, and a Ewan. Yeah. But I think he just knew at that time that this to get us out of the mess we were in, we didn't have the right footballer. They were lovely footballers, but they weren't the right ones for what he felt would get us out of the division. And ultimately, he was proven right, wasn't he? You were, yeah, absolutely. You were prolific in the Cups again that year. You got, I think you got eight that year in, in Cups. And how did it feel? I know the game was maybe a bit of a dead rubber, but you've, you've in 12 months, you've gone from, oh, less than 12 months, you've gone from scoring for Ghoul to going out at Highbury and scoring, you know, <laughs> you know Steve Bold has uh, flicked it up for you, hasn't he? And you've got, got in and, was it David Seaman in goal? David Seaman in goal. So yeah. Some people joke, I loved Seaman, but I didn't, I put it through his legs. So, uh, <laughs> 
but you've you've gone from that and it's just sort of it's a really good interesting journey arc you know how you've gone from from goal to scoring at highbury it's a, a really good a really good story and and that season i don't, I don't know if you remember yeah. the barnet game as well for me the barnet game was probably the the worst moment of that season i think barnet hadn't won for months and then they came to leeds road didn't they? and they, they beat us 2-1 and i think that was the point where maybe things started to change a little bit bit more from neil warnock and how did he compare then to Buxton? Because I've always thought Warnock was quite a, a vociferous. You know, we've seen the videos, and we'll we'll talk about the videos in when we talk about the next season. But we've seen that he's can be quite aggressive. You know, we've seen at Sheffield United. Does he compare to Mick Buxton maybe in in those ways? Not you know, not not really carrying think, an axe or anything. I think we're in an imaginary axe. <laughs> um, I think Mick came in. And again, credit to Mick, he knew what he needed to do. He knew the players. Ilanon, who was there and who needed to kick up the bum and who didn't. And Mick, Mick came in with that attitude. He was going to scare people into playing well. Warnock, um, for me, he knew how to speak to each player individually. He never, ever rollocked me. And, it, and he, must, he must, you know, t- times that I didn't do tackles or whatever, he knew what I could and what I couldn't do. So there's no point rollocking me for not putting in a 50-50 challenge and winning the ball and sending someone 10 foot in the air. That was Richard Logan's job or Darren Bullock's job. You know, never, ever, I don't think I've ever had a rollicking off Warnock, even though he used me in that video. To, as a, a, but he knew how to talk to me to get the best out of me. I was probably, probably, I frail is the wrong word, but if he'd have highlighted all the mistakes that I made in a game, he probably knew that would put me, it wouldn't make me play any better, put it that way. Whereas, it, it was positive and positive. Whereas with, with the likes of Darren Bullock, if Darren Bullock made a mistake, Warnock would scream at him. But then Bullock could go out and have an absolute screamer, you know. So he knew how to get, he knew how to talk to each player individually. He knew there's no point rollicking. Boothy, never rolled to Boothy. And Boothy, you know, when he give the ball away or didn't win a header, he'd have a little, hey, Boothy, you got to win them and then rollock someone else. So it's like, you're thinking, Where's, when's, when's my rollicking coming? But, Looking yeah. back, it never actually did. He, he, he was very clever, very clever in that respect. He knew That's why he's been so successful for yeah. so long, isn't it? It's just Absolutely. proper top drawer man management. Yeah, he knew. He could read his players. Yeah, he knew what would work and what wouldn't with, with yeah. each individual um, person. Um, so, no, he was, you, you, were, you would never cross him. You would never cross one because you knew he'd have you if you did. But the yeah. one thing, I always remember someone, one of the lads saying, maybe one of the coaches saying, he, 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 he will go for you. At the end of the game, he'll rollock you, maybe tell you you're the worst player in the world. Monday morning, it is as if it never happened. Gone. You were his player again, and you were going to be better. So he didn't ever bury someone. I've played with managers that buried me, and, and you, there's no coming back from that. When, a, when you know a manager doesn't like you, you, you there's nothing you can do. No. Whereas with Warnock, he could wallock you. But on Monday morning, you are back in. And sometimes exactly. you tell you you're out and, and then you play the next game. It was like, so he believed in his players and I think he knew what he was doing when he was talking to them and how he talked to them. I've played for managers that if they don't like you, they'll let you know about it and you'd know you're done. You know, with Warnock, he never knew that because whilst you were assigned on professional for him you were an asset and uh and that goes back to to neil's comment there that is why he's been so successful for so long 
with so many players. Uh, yeah. There'll not be many players bad mouthing, I tell you. Not be many. No. Okay, we'll end part one of the Ian Dunn interview there. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed that and we'll post the second part up in the coming days. Oh, what a night Late in May in 2017 Shinder scored, it was a happy dream What a feeling, what a night Oh, what a night Wagner singing We are Premier League The greatest sight St. George's Square did see What an evening, what a night Oh, I I got a funny feeling when he Yelled, he takes that chance. Oh, what a night! Lost so safe and mesmerizing me. Low, low charge and flattened all Chelsea. Stanford Bridge, oh, what a night! Whoa, I. Got a funny feeling when he walked an fence and then the commentator yelled, he takes our chance. Oh, what a night! Oh, what a night! Oh, what a night! Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Automate delivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.